Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Kids are back at school. Your kids are probably back at school, depending on where you live, and kind of getting into the new rhythm of the school year, which I know can be really tricky for a lot of us. And I'm feeling really, really appreciative that so far, knock on wood, it's been going pretty smoothly. We had a couple of bumps, but you know, I think that's the nice thing about it's a weird thing, but it's a nice thing about anxiety and OCD is you can actually have a lot of gratitude when things are going normal. <laughs> Cause you're like, I know what abnormal feels like. And it's just really nice to sit in some normalcy for a little while. Not that we have to kind of say, this is always how it's going to be, or I wonder how long it's going to last, but just sitting in the normalcy of like, you know what today, today seems like an okay day. And I am really working on taking one day at a time and really immersing myself in that day. Even if it's a horrific day, what is going okay today? What can I immerse myself in that feels good? And it's not what today's episode is about, but I just wanted to start with that and ask you, what's some things that are going okay today? You know, be in the moment. I've been talking a lot about that. And I know that's not the theme of the podcast, but I do feel like it really helps when we're parenting kids with anxiety and OCD to learn how to be in the moment more. So anyway, let's move on to what we're going to be talking about today. I have already talked about this, which the topic of today is, can my child catch other anxiety or OCD themes? I did answer that in an episode, but I stupidly, let me be kind to myself, I mistakenly titled it should you tell your child if they have anxiety or OCD or not? Because I smushed two of those topics together. And when people ask me, should I tell my child about, you know, should I have them read books or I don't want to show them your videos. And I really try to do podcast episodes that answer the questions I get over and over and over again, so that people, especially in my AT parenting community, I can say, here, listen to this podcast episode. I'll answer and give like very specific answers to members of the AT parenting community. But sometimes it's nice to have an episode that will dive completely deep on the question that they're asking. And so a lot of the times the AT parenting community members drive my podcast topics because I think, oh my gosh, I'm answering this question again. Let me do a podcast on that. And so I did smush them together and I really felt like I wanted to do an episode where I'm only talking about this. So the title matches the topic. And I can dive deep into it. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Can my child catch other anxiety or OCD themes? It's a genuine, legitimate concern, which I had myself. You know, I would give people an answer in my practice. And then when it became my own kids and, you know, me educating them from a parent perspective, I started to doubt it. And I started to wonder, I don't know if I I don't want to tell him about that because I don't want him to get that theme. So we're going to dive into that. I'm going to talk to you both as a clinician and as a parent. Before I get started, I do want to thank 
NoCD, though, for sponsoring this episode. NoCD provides online OCD therapy in the US, the UK, Australia, and Canada. And a lot of times parents will ask me, I don't know if my child has OCD. How can I tell? And I'll say, you know, there, it can't hurt to just go get an assessment. You can get a virtual assessment by a trained OCD pediatric therapist through NoCD. And there are therapists that work with NoCD in every state and now in lots of countries around the world. So you can even schedule a free 15 minute consultation just to see if NoCD is right, a right fit for you before you even sign up for an assessment. You can get an assessment and that's not a commitment to therapy. It's just, where do we go from here? So I love that. So you can go to treatmyocd.com and I will leave a link in the show notes as well. Okay. So I want to start on this topic about catching themes with why this fear shows up. And I'm going to just briefly go over it because if you've already had this concern, or if you saw this topic and you're thinking, yes, I worry about that too. You don't really need to know why you have that thought because you already know that you have this thought, but I'm going to just briefly say why these things tend to show up for people. One of them is you're starting to educate your child on anxiety or OCD. If you are a member of my community, my community is closed right now, but it's AT Parenting Community, and you can learn more about it at atparentingcommunity.com. I don't want to keep talking about it, and you're like, what is she talking about? Because you might be new to my podcast. But the first thing that I say when you're in, when you join my community and I'm walking you through, I have a lot of resources and so parents can get overwhelmed. And so I have a start here page and I walk you through a roadmap. And I also tell people, you can just, you know, message me in the forums and I will curate my information for you and tell you exactly what would be helpful for you. But I always start with educate your child because this is not our journey. This is our child's journey. And so instead of thinking, how am I going to fix my child's anxiety or OCD, which you can't do. And I had a podcast about that really recently. So maybe just a few episodes ago about how you can't fix this for your child. You may want to, but you can't. That's probably episode, gosh, I don't even know. Not last episode. Cause that was with Kimberly Quinlan on self-compassion, which is really good. She listened to that might've been 227. I'm not sure, but we start with educating them because we're a coach. Our job is to coach them and teach them how to be the best, you know, anxiety or OCD therapist for themselves, because it's going to be with them and they're going to have to learn how to manage it. Just like if we have a child with diabetes, they're going to have to learn how to eventually manage their own sugar levels. It's the same thing. So I did pause and go back because I hate to be like that person who doesn't really complete the loop. It is episode 227. So that would be a really good one. If you're kind of like, wait, I don't know how to be a coach. I thought I'm going to be able to fix this. Go listen to that episode. So we're wanting to educate them. And so that requires us to talk to our kids about how anxiety or OCD works. We're going to want to read books to them. um, And there's lots of books for lots of ages. And we're going to read those to them. And they're going to bring up other anxiety or OCD themes. We might want to put our kid in a support group because we want to normalize anxiety or OCD. And other kids are going to be talking about other themes or, or, and, or might be worrying about your own behavior. Like you have anxiety or OCD and you're worried, can my child catch my themes? Or you might be sitting in, you know, blame already and say, I caused my child's anxiety or OCD because they are acting like me. So I'm going to break this down and answer all of those questions. So if any of those were yours, or if you're like, wow, now I'm really wondering about that too, I'm going to answer that for you. Or I'm going to give you my opinion. Obviously, 
There's no right or wrong here. You do what feels right for you. It's never been my philosophy as a therapist or as an online coach. I don't know what you would call me, (laughs) but to tell people what they should and should not do. I'm just not a fan of that. I have listened to other people's work and when they have the shoulds coming out of their mouth, I don't like that because I do feel like as parents, we ultimately have to trust our own gut. And so I'm going to preface this entire episode with trust your gut. If I'm saying something and it doesn't resonate with you, or you disagree with it, or you see my points, but it still doesn't feel good, then don't do it. That's okay. But I'm just here to provide some education and some insight and giving you just a different perspective or just a perspective on this question. So I want to start off with anxiety and OCD is highly genetic. I say that every time, not every time. I say that often because surprisingly to me, people don't understand that. It's highly genetic. And so there is a predisposition for our kids to get anxiety or OCD if it runs in the genetic family. And I personally believe that there is a correlation between autoimmune issues and inflammation and infections to anxiety and OCD. And so sometimes you might have a family genetic history of autoimmune issues and some anxiety or some OCD. And it's the chicken or the egg. In my family, Autoimmune issues are rampant. And guess what? So is anxiety and OCD and mental health issues in general. We have bipolar, we have depression, we have a lot of stuff going on on the family tree on both sides. And I have my oldest is from my first marriage. My two are from my husband that passed away. And that was weird to say. <laughs> I've never had to say that. I'm normally it's like my oldest from my first marriage and my two from my husband. Well, I guess there's a new thing for everything. But there is mental health issues on both sides of those genetic trees for both fathers. So that's a bummer. (laughs) So my kids, all three of them are going to have some anxiety or OCD, most likely, even if the environment is conducive to, you know, having them blossom, some genetic seeds are just going to sprout regardless of what we do. And so, you know, it just is what it is. So if you feel like, you caused your child's anxiety or OCD, most likely you did not because a child can be around a parent with OCD their entire life. And if they don't have that genetic predisposition, which is not a guarantee, they've done twin studies. So it's not a hundred percent, not every single identical twin gets OCD. So there are environmental factors that play into it, which aren't just your parenting. I guess I'm going down a rabbit hole. (laughs) This isn't the theme of the podcast, Natasha stick with the topic, but I just want to try to make you feel better. So I am going to talk about your behavior though and modeling. I'm going to get into that in a second. Well, I guess we could get into that now just to be succinct, but genetics play a very strong role and our kids can have autoimmune issues like pandas and pans, or they could just have a pre-marker that's, it's going to pop up at a certain point, regardless of what you do. Or there's stressors in life, which there are in every life we cannot cocoon our kids. It could be a stressor of going to kindergarten and being away for the first time. It doesn't have to be a monumental trauma for that genetic seed to sprout. So that's not your fault. Now, sometimes you can model OCD behavior and your child has that genetic predisposition, or you can model anxious behavior. And so your child might see you doing that and already have the genetic predisposition to maybe even have that theme 
and they follow suit. There's nothing you can do about that. There are some things that we can do though. And I always like to focus on what we can do. If you are spoon feeding your child, your own anxiety or OCD themes, or someone in the family is spoon feeding the child, their anxiety or OCD themes from a very young age. And they're very like malleable and impressionable. Then that might be their norm. So if I am anxious and I tell my kids, you know, lock your doors and make sure that no bad guys come in. Or if I say, don't answer the door, you know, and if someone comes and asks for your mother, go hide, or, you know, you'd call 911 and I'm really, I'm not educating them. I'm scaring them. Or if I say, make sure to wash your hands every time you touch your face or make sure, I mean, you get the point. I don't have to give you a million examples, but you may not know what is what is typical versus what your is what is your anxiety or OCD. Your partner might know that, or conversely, maybe you see this in your partner, and your partner normalizing some anxiety and OCD thoughts that are not typical, and that becomes tricky. I've I've encountered that in my practice where sometimes I've had both parents have anxiety or OCD, and they validate each other's abnormalities and don't think they have a disorder. And so they normalize that for their child. And then yes, the child operates under that story that this is not safe or this behavior is okay to do or it's normal. And they don't start to have that insight until they're in school and they're away from their family. Often a partner notices this and you don't have that dynamic where it's the entire family, but sometimes you actually do. So we want to be careful about what information we're giving our kids and being cognizant of, is this my own stuff? Because I don't want to educate my child with my fears embedded into it. Moving on from there, because we have a lot to cover, is you could also force compulsive or avoidant behavior to make your own anxiety or OCD better. And so we have to be very aware of that as well. A lot of times parents have their own anxiety or OCD, and they don't do these things. And their child gets anxiety or OCD because it's genetic and they were going to get it no matter what. More often than not, that's the case. You have anxiety and your kids have anxiety. They may even have the same theme, but that's not because you did anything wrong. It's just, that's how it's manifesting in your gene pool. I have social anxiety and two out of my three kids have social anxiety as well. I would actually say three of my kids. I think they all have social anxiety on some level. I have family members who have social anxiety and they don't diagnose themselves and they don't identify with that as their issue. I think, you know, those fears and thoughts are common. And so a lot of times that's how it is. But so I wanted to just say that to make, you know, all of us feel good. (laughs) Before I say this, some of us actually have our kids do things, wash their hands an abnormal amount of time or have them take actions that are compulsive or avoidant because of our own anxiety. And we don't want to one, maybe be triggered or two, we're worried now about our kids. So we're actually like having our own anxiety, no CD compulsions or avoidance. And then we're actually making our kids do it too. I've had little kids come in my practice who were like four and five, where I thought they had OCD because their hands were so raw. And the parent would say, no, I just always make sure that he washes his hands. And when we go through when, and how do you make him wash his hands, it's very compulsive and not typical. And so that can stick eventually because the child doesn't know what is typical versus what is not typical. So that's something to watch for. Okay. I'm going to move on from there because that's not always the case. That's not always the biggest issue. The other issues are 
If my child reads a book or a story, you'll find that every anxiety or OCD book, like the good ones, the ones that really talk about people's anxiety and OCD, like for kids, you know, I think of practicing being brave. It's a really good OCD one. She gives examples, Don Hebner's books, you know, outsmarting worry and what to do when your brain gets stuck or what to do when you worry too much. She gives examples when you read Dr. Zarita Ona's books on OCD, like for teens, she has the ACT workbook for OCD for teens. It's excellent. She gives examples. So these really good books give examples and I can go on. I don't want to like make this a bibliography, but the good books give examples. And even some of the really small, like little kid books give examples. My book, I always forget about my book. My book, Anxiety Sucks, a teen survival guide. It follows four people. And I picked four very common anxiety themes to show how the skills that I'm teaching can be used in any theme. And to do that, I highlight four themes and you go into these people's lives and you follow them around and you see how they use those skills. So a lot of times parents will say, or my YouTube channel that has like various topics. So if I'm even talking about, are you scared at bedtime? I might give some examples in that. You can't have your child live in a bubble. And so the good aspect of that is it normalizes things for your kid. Your child needs normalization. When they hear things in a book and they say, oh my gosh, I have that. I feel like I'm a bad kid. I didn't know that other people worry about that or I have to even things out. I thought that was just one of my weird quirks. There is something incredibly validating about that. Now you can't like go and block out certain pages of a book and just show them that one aspect. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So we're going to talk about the good things. It normalizes it for your child. You have to educate your child. Without educating your child, they they will not be able to independently develop skills. And in order to educate your child, the best, most interactive, engaging way to educate a child is to read them books that are, you know, age appropriate, whether it's a kid or a teen. I really like everything is an emergency for older teens, young adults, but they're going to see that character go through a lot of different OCD themes that he went through before he started doing ERP, exposure with response prevention. And so education is beyond important for our kids. If you want to, you know, show them a documentary, there's a lot of good anxiety and OCD documentaries that really normalize the struggles that kids are going through. An OCD kids movie is phenomenal. It's a very short documentary, but it follows the themes of, I think, six or seven kids with different types of OCD. And so parents will say, I don't really want to show them that movie because they might get some ideas, right? So that's where we hit the wall is that parents stop the education because they are wanting to cocoon their kids. They're already dealing with a very rocky boat and they don't want the boat to rock anymore. And I get that because I have the same fears. In the past, I would always tell parents in my practice, themes are not contagious because in my practice, I used a lot of examples. I would like make examples generic from the other kids I've worked with, or I had other kids who would give me permission to talk about them in ways where I could like, you know, not say who they were so that kids could feel normal. And so I'd have kids say, you can tell people about my story or how I did my exposures and, or I would like create a composite character 
that incorporated the client's struggles because stories make things come alive. And when I say, you know, there's other people who are afraid of knives and who avoid knives and they have harm OCD too. And they're like, they do. Yeah. And, and you know, this is what we did with that one person. And we did these exposures and she did really well. And that helps. But parents would say, I don't want you to talk about other, or they might say this in the parent session. Don't talk about other kids' struggles or don't, can you not talk about any other type of OCD theme? And I would go into my spiel and I'd say, anxiety and OCD themes are not contagious. You know, often when I give an example of something that's different from the child, they'll actually outright say, that's ridiculous. Who would think that? Like, that's not scary to me. And I'll say, yeah. And you know what? That person with that ridiculous intrusive thought would think that your struggle doesn't make any sense. And that's because OCD in general doesn't have to make sense. It's still scary. Even if intellectually, you know that you don't need to be worried about that, or you don't need to tap that, or you don't need to blah, 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 whatever. But it doesn't matter because it's still annoying and it's still loud. Right. And it was also a very easy way for me to show them how to do skills, show them how to do exposures without increasing their anxiety before we got started. So often when I'm trying to teach someone in my practice, I'm not in practice anymore. I ended that in February. So now it's in the past. But when I would practice, it was easier for me to use an example that was unrelated to the child's theme so that when I'm building the skills, they're hearing what I'm saying and they're getting the concepts without thinking, oh my gosh, I'll never touch a toilet. Why does she keep saying when I touch a toilet, I'm not going to do it. So I would say, I'm going to use someone else's theme that's not yours so that you can focus on what I'm saying. And then we'll work, we'll talk about how we're going to do this with your theme because that was effective because it reduced the anxiety at first and I got them prepared, but also I was teaching them. And this is the important thing about having them be exposed to different themes, whether it's anxiety or OCD is the foundation of how we treat anxiety or OCD or the foundation in which we want our child to learn how to interact with their anxiety or OCD will be the same regardless of theme. And so I don't want to teach my child, this is how you handle moral OCD. You're afraid you're a bad person or you're afraid you're going to do bad things. This is how we do it. And then all of a sudden, three years later, four years later, or they're a young adult and their anxiety shifts and it morphs, which it will, and it does. And now they're not afraid of being a bad person, but oh my gosh, they have to bounce their left hand to their right hand and they have to even out everything and they can't get out of their house because they have to touch both sides and they don't know what this is. Or even if they do know what it is and they're like, I think that this is another OCD thing. I don't know how to tackle it because I only know how to tackle moral OCD. And I see this even with parents who will ask me questions like, how do I handle, you know, we were, we've been doing moral OCD and now we're having contamination OCD. I don't know how to handle that. I don't. And it's like same foundation. Once you learn the foundation, you just plug and play new theme. Okay. We're going to, the same exact framework that we have been using, we're going to use for every theme. And we want to teach our kids that because otherwise they are only going to learn how to handle that situation and they're not going to generalize it. And so when I work with kids in my practice, I would generalize it and I would say, and I I would actually actively say, okay, so right now we're talking about you touching this pencil because you think, you know, it's contaminated and then touching your face, but you would do this for any OCD theme. So if OCD says, you know, I want you to say this three times in your head, 
It's the same thing. You would make OCD uncomfortable and you would do the opposite or you might, you know, whatever. We're not going to get into that. But you want the plug and play mentality of I can interchange this at any time. That's really important. And you're going to have a hard time teaching your kids that if you are bubbling them and cocooning them and not talking about anxiety or OCD in general because you want to curate exactly what information they're getting so that it's only specific to their theme currently. It will morph and it will shift and it will change. A lot of times they call it whack-a-mole because anxiety and OCD themes, they come and they go. They do. Sometimes there's oldies but goodies, not so much goodies, but they stick around and they come back over and over. But often your child's at, at a much higher risk of developing other themes too. So it's a smorgasbord. I, I often call it the anxiety or OCD buffet, and they're not just putting one main dish on their plate. They might have one big main dish, but they've got lots of appetizers. They've got some desserts. There's a lot going on on that plate and things can be added at any time. If we don't tell our kids and we don't have to tell them outright, like, let me go through the multitude of anxiety and OCD themes that you could possibly get. We're not talking about that, but I'm going to passively expose them to these themes by reading them books or watching documentaries or having them talk to other kids. They are going to passively soak up knowledge and themes. Just like the parents do in my AT parenting community, they become experts at anxiety and OCD and they are able to catch things a lot sooner because by osmosis, when other parents are asking questions that are unrelated to their child's themes, they're learning. And so they're learning the foundation because I always try to generalize it in our weekly live classes. I'll, I'll often say, now you can plug in your child's theme for what we're talking about and the same thing would go for that. Or So I'll generalize it, but those parents have a really good eye for new weeds that pop up very early. Because the sooner you pull out those new weeds, the quicker you get rid of that problem. You know, my child had like for two days, she had an intrusive thought about blood and veins and she couldn't touch anyone because she didn't want to squish their veins. It was like a very bizarre, intrusive thought that came from a homework assignment. And I couldn't foresee that, right? Anxiety and OCD can be literally triggered by anything. And so... We think that if we can bubble them and only talk about the anxiety and OCD that they have, that we're good to go. We're not going to rock the boat, right? We're just going to stay in this lane. But literally anything can and will trigger your child's anxiety or OCD and create new themes at times. And it's not the subject's fault. It's not the situation's fault. It's anxiety and OCD. It just is what it is. It glums onto anything and everything it sees. And A lot of times parents will have a lot of guilt. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have said that because I said that she's had OCD themes about that for years. If I could just go back in time and not have said that to her, we'd be great. And I say, no, you wouldn't because if it wasn't that theme, it would be something else because the baseline of anxiety and OCD is still there. It just needs something to hook onto. And if it doesn't hook onto that, it will hook onto something else. And it'll be just as frustrating and annoying as the theme that you're currently dealing with. And so she had a science homework assignment. I'm trying to think this was last year or the year before. And they showed a skeleton with all the veins and like there, it was like about blood flow, you know, and it was like that red and blue kind of body map that I'm sure you've seen before in science. And it just triggered her and I couldn't hug her. I couldn't touch her. 
She didn't want to sit down. She didn't want to like touch her veins. And within that day, I saw that baby weed pop up that had never been a theme. She has sensory motor OCD. She worries about her bladder. She has social anxiety. This was, she has a metaphobia. We got a lot of fancy names for a lot of her struggles, but never this. And it was, it was ballooning up really quickly. And we just, we started doing exposures. We did exposures around blood, looked at emojis of like, I mean, we had to start with just her writing the word blood. Like it was, it got really bad within like a 10 hour period, but we did exposures for three days in the same framework that we would do anything else. And she's never had that theme again, baby weed, right? So when you pull out the baby weeds, they're really tiny. And so if you don't know what weeds to pull out, and more importantly, your child doesn't know that she or he should even tell you about them or tell his therapist about them because they don't even know that's an OCD or an anxiety weed, then you're not going to be pulling out weeds proactively. You're going to be waiting until you see like a whole yard full of weeds and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is out of control. And it doesn't have to be that way. So two points in that. One, kids can get themes from literally anything. And two, the pro outweighs the con. I guess you could tell where I'm headed with this. You know, you can tell my opinion on this. I do feel like educating our kids is really important, but I do want to explain why. And having them understand and be able to catch their anxiety or OCD themes is really important. I was just answering a member's question in the forums this morning, and it was talking about a kid who had OCD and that he recognized that he was balancing things out and went to his parent and said, I'm doing this compulsion where I have to balance things out. And that wasn't the question in the forums, but I had to pause and say to this parent, that's great that he noticed that. That's not even one of his themes. That's amazing that he's cognizant enough that he can recognize, oh, that's an OCD thing. And so the normalization of, hey, other people have this, the education of being able to spot these things far outweighs the concern that they might catch this thing. Now, I will say, here's a caveat again, that doesn't mean that they're not going to catch those themes. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, you know, read all these books or have them listen to a support group. Don't worry about it. They're never going to catch these themes. They might. They might. Because anxiety and OCD is constantly surveying the environment, scanning the environment, looking for something really good to get its hooks into. Ooh, this is a good theme. This will really upset her. I'm taking that one. That can happen. But if it was a theme that wasn't going to resonate with them anyway, it's not going to stick. So if my child has the potential to have moral OCD, let's say, you know, they have the right ingredients for that theme. And the right ingredients are centered around what's important to the child, what the child values, some of the child's core fears, some of the family's culture. It, it's all about that. Yeah. And I, and I feel like we, we really can't control that. You know, you just, you can't have your child live in a bubble. So, cause I'm trying to think of an example to give you, you know, like kids with separation anxiety often have other components and personality attributes and dynamics with their parents that other kids don't have. Um, kids with moral OCD often, and not always, cause you can never like say definitively always. But a lot of kids with moral OCD have a really good, strong moral compass. And so they're very worried about being a bad person. 
or there's religion, not always, but sometimes there's a strong faith in the family. So that would be a good theme for them. So it just depends on the family what OCD theme or anxiety theme is really going to stick and be effective. And you don't get to control that. So let's say your child's in a support group. I have a support group in the AT parenting community for kids and teens. It's once a month. And sometimes parents get concerned, especially new members, and they'll email me and they'll say, I don't want my child to hear other people's problems. Um, what if they what if they get those problems? And normally I'll refer them to the other podcast, but now I'll refer them to this one. And I'll say, you know, themes are not contagious. Anxiety and OCD will glom on to whatever is available that will resonate with your child. And so it's not to say that they're not going to get nervous about something that they hadn't thought of before. That will happen. But if that theme was meant to happen, it would be triggered by something else as well. So for example, if let's go back to the moral OCD, let's say I worry about being a good person and I have OCD and maybe I'm having some other themes. And then I hear a kid talk about their moral OCD. Yeah, it's possible. It's not a definitive, but it's possible that my OCD might have that new theme pop up. But you want to look at it this way. And I don't see that happening often. I do want to say that I don't see that happening often, but it is, it is a risk. But you want to look at OCD as a beast in general, <laughs> you know, and anxiety as well. And with OCD especially, because it has very specific themes, and anxiety does too, but OCD morphs and shifts a lot quicker and is m- more easily glumming onto like whatever is available versus anxiety. Anxiety kind of stays in its lane a little bit more, not always, but a little bit more than OCD. But let's say I was like predisposed to worry about being a good person. And my mom just kept me, I didn't read any books about it. She told me it was OCD, but I didn't really see anyone else having it. So first of all, now I'm feeling really isolated. And one thing about moral and harm OCD themes is the shame and the guilt and embarrassment. So now I'm feeling really weird and strange. And I feel like embarrassed that I'm having these thoughts because it can give you really disturbing, intrusive thoughts. And I'm thinking no one else has this and I'm not seeing, reading, hearing anyone else having it. I'm just told by my therapist, my parents that this is common. And then I go to school and in history class, we learn about, you know, some criminal and how they took over the wild West and, you know, and we're learning about the pioneers or something pretty, pretty, you know, simplistic that you didn't think you're going to have to like warn the teacher about or prevent them from hearing that, not like sex ed or something like a little bit more obvious. And your child comes home and thinks, what if I turn into one of those bad pioneers? Or what if I turn into a killer? And now all of a sudden they have moral OCD. That can happen. It can happen anywhere. So I don't want to belabor my point, but you want to look at anxiety and OCD as an octopus, an octopus that has many tentacles, many legs, And as long as that beast is strong, it will hold on to different themes at different times. And your goal is not to get rid of one theme and then the next theme, like you're trying to like put out a fire and then another fire pops up. You're trying to weaken the entire beast. And sometimes you're being slapped with one of the tentacles and it feels like the beast is really strong, but they only have like one or two tentacles left because you keep pulling out the weeds. I know I'm mixing analogies now and that doesn't make any sense. You keep pulling out the tentacles. See, now that seems disturbing. So didn't really work, but you're teaching your child how to build up their OCD or anxiety muscles and they're learning how to use their skills and they're applying it to different themes and different situations and you're using it 
for your own stuff. You're learning how to face your fears or your discomfort. And the octopus as a whole is getting smaller when we're afraid of the octopus and we don't want to rock the boat and wake up the octopus. And we're only focusing on the one tentacle and hoping that's the only tentacle that we'll, we'll ever have to deal with. We are walking on eggshells and we are catering to anxiety or OCD. And we don't want to do that. We want to rock that boat. I know none of us really want to rock the boat, but we have to rock that boat and shake it out and see exactly what we have to smush my metaphors and give you a different one. It's like ants. You know, I can spray and I hate ants and they drive me nuts because I hate like infestations. It's like one of my anxiety themes. And so when I see ants, it's a total side note, but it like freaks me out because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's more of them than what I'm seeing. But let's say I have ants in my kitchen and I just go and like my goal is to just step on them and and not see them. And as long as I don't see them, I'm like, okay. And so I'm like, just don't put any food out. Don't put any crumbs out. We just don't want to see the ants, right? Let's not talk about ants. Let's not deal with ants. Let's definitely not go get um, an exterminator. I can remember the name of that for a minute because we don't want to talk about it. We just want to not see them. That's not going to solve the problem, right? Just not putting crumbs out. And so I want to rock the world. So we might actually put baits out where we're actually putting food out and saying, hey, are you? Are there any ants left? Because we want to get to the root. We want to get to the queen. We want to make sure that this ant colony is gone, not coming back. Doesn't mean it won't come back because it will, but we want to make sure we're getting to the root of it and we're pulling out the queen of the ants. And so it might get worse before it gets better because I'm going to put some traps out and those ants are going to come out of the holes that they are already in, in my walls. Ugh, terrible metaphor. I don't like it. But they're going to come out and they're going to eat the food and they're going to go back to the queen and the ant hill is going to die. I mean, that's, that's the way it's supposed to happen, right? It doesn't mean I'm not going to get ants again, but I'm really dealing with the problem. I'm not skirting the problem. It's a really good metaphor for what I'm talking about here. We don't want to pretend there are no queen ants. We want to get to the root. And to get to the root, we don't walk on eggshells with anxiety and OCD. We don't avoid certain topics. Now, I'm not saying like, let's say your child's not in a good way. You're having a rough day. You, you might not want to bring up certain things. I mean, I think I hush my 17-year-old more often than, I feel like I do that all the time. I feel like I do it at least once a day. She'll say something and I'll be like, shh, shh no, please stop. Because <laughs> she's talking about something that my kids don't need to know about. You know, she's really into horror movies or she's into like real life crimes and serial killers. And I'm like, we just don't need that. That's different. That's not an anxiety theme. And that's not even a normal topic. You can go through life without really diving deep into serial killers, right? (laughs) That's totally different. But um, I don't need her to rock the boat in that way. But for other themes, you know, if we're talking about anxiety or OCD, we're going to talk about it. It's okay because we're not going to avoid rocking the boat. So I hope that makes sense to you. I hope it just gives you a different perspective. The benefits to me completely outweigh the risks. If my child is going to glum onto a new theme, that means their anxiety or OCD or their octopus or their anthill, whatever metaphor I've thrown at you today works for you. It means it's strong. It means no matter what, it's strong. Because when a child is truly, genuinely doing well with their anxiety or OCD, it doesn't matter what you're waving at them. It could be waving a red flag to a bull. It's not going to charge at you because it's weak. And because you your child has fully developed some anxiety or OCD muscles and, and it's truly not an active disorder at that moment. 
And that's what we want. And the reason why the suicide rate is so high among kids who struggle with mental health illnesses, especially anxiety and OCD, for anxiety and OCD is because of the stigma. You know, that they feel very alone, they feel very isolated, they feel like no one else has this, um, they don't understand it. And we can do our part. We can't do everything, but we can do our part in normalizing it, educating them, giving them a support group, surrounding them with other people who get them, and making them feel understood. And that comes with education and it does come with exposure to other anxiety and OCD themes. So I hope that helped a little bit. I hope it just gives you like, you know, something to think about and hope you're enjoying my podcast. I hope you are finding this informative and helpful on your journey with anxiety or OCD with your kids. If you are enjoying the podcast, you know, I always like it when you hit a star or you rate it wherever you're listening to it, which now seems like a million different places as options. If you are able to leave a review, I greatly appreciate it. And I always like to end my show reading one of them. And so I want to thank SSFF234, their username. They wrote, great resource. I just discovered this podcast and it's a treasure trove of helpful information delivered in a very accessible way. Just listened to the first episode, set off several light bulbs in my brain about ways to enhance my child's treatment for OCD. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to write a review. I really appreciate that. And maybe if you write a review, I'll be reading yours next time. I do hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. I feel like that is so important. And I will be talking back again with you next Tuesday. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 